Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your host Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. What's poppin', good people? Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I am your host, Zay. As always, we have the fam. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, Bro Joe. Holla at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, so it is Monday night. Everybody's watching the game. Look, we apologize ahead of time if there's some extra hemming and hawing, some ooing and on, but <laughs> it's a football show, so hopefully you won't be offended by everyone enjoying a little bit of football. So <laughs> we do have an amazing soul shut up for you today, and we have your week one review, your waivers. We're going to make sure that you know exactly which direction to take. There are going to be some pivots out there as well, so we'll talk a little bit about that. If you're looking for us on our socials, join us at our Facebook group with Fantasy Football Fiend Family on Facebook, Instagram, the Fantasy Football Fiend, and on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Fiend. If you're looking to get us in any, any information, hit us up at Fantasy Football Fiend at Gmail for promos, advertising, etc. Now, let's hop right into it. We got a whole lot to discuss. It's week one. Let's do it. And now your fantasy news. During the season, the news is pretty much predicated to injuries and things of that nature. So we'll go ahead and get a little bit of news out of the way, and then we'll hop right into the week one review. It looks as if T. Higgins of the Bengals has a concussion. Hopefully, he'll be able to get back to the field pretty soon here. Um, but he went out mid-game. And they could have used them. That game ended up going quite differently than a whole lot of people thought it was going to go. Um, have you guys heard anything about his probable return this coming week? Or are things kind of up in the air right now? Uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, he is in concussion protocol. Mm. They're pretty much saying that he's day-to-day -day right now, you know, with the week to get cleared for the Cowboy game. So um, I'm not going to say he will be cleared. But for right now, with them saying he's day-to-day, -day, he has a whole week to be ready, I think. It's uh, pretty possible he'd be out there. Well, speaking of the Cowboys, that Prescott had thumb surgery today. It looks like he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Are the Cowboys almost done, or is a fork already sticking at them? I guess it depends on what moves they make with their quarterback situation. I think if Cooper Rush is the guy that you're leaning on, then hmm, maybe some trouble. I mean, he pretty much... Every all the skill positions take a step back with him at quarterback. There's been some talks of other guys coming in playing the position. Of uh, I heard names, I heard Jimmy Garoppolo was a name out there. Some people even said Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah, Cam yeah, yeah exactly. I wouldn't even be surprised if you see a guy like a um, a Heineke, one of these guys also, or maybe a mm. Mason Rudolph. You know, or one maybe of these guys. A, a Gardner Minshew. 
Maybe so, but like a but that kind of guy definitely teams with three quarterbacks, like a Mason Rudolph. Yeah, he's in a situation where it seems like he's the third guy. I don't know. So, you know what? I would almost I, I don't know if he's much better than Cooper Rush, to be honest with you. He's like, definitely better than Cooper Rush. I mean, yeah, actually, I, is he? Yeah, is he? Yeah, who's Cooper okay. Rush? Okay, uh, who's Mason Rudolph? I mean, he's he's actually been a, he's actually been a starter in this league. Mm, I, mean, I mean, he's been a fill in. I, I mean, he's I, been a starter. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he's been a starter the same way Cooper Rush has been. So, I, I don't know. I, if that's your starter, then you might want to make some moves. It's too early in the season for them to give up on the season, so I can definitely see them bringing in someone who they kind of have a little bit of confidence in. Eight weeks is a long time. There was a little bit of an injury issue with Alvin Kamara. He had a rib issue that ended up kind of taking him out a little bit of the game. People were kind of upset about his output for this week, but it comes out that a, a rib injury is to blame for his lackluster week one appearance. So, Joe, you have anything on that, or is it just kind of wait and see? Yeah, it's definitely wait and see. Rib injuries all depend on how severe they are, kind of an impact in uh, his play, but I think he'll probably suit up for a week two. He's never been one to miss hardly any games. A running back that's definitely going to miss a few games. You got Elijah Mitchell. Looks like he's going to miss about eight weeks with a knee injury. So now it looks like it is Joe Wilson's turn to step up, but he's no stranger to injury himself. So we might end up seeing the rookie end up playing a role. Uh, what's the uh, what's your rookie's name, Barry? Well, the kid you're probably talking about is the kid Price. Um, yeah. But I, I think – Honestly, I think Jordan Mason would probably be a guy that would step in in front of him. I mean, this past weekend. Not uh, familiar with him. Yeah, the kid Price was an actual um, healthy scratch. I saw that, yeah. Um, There were a couple of those this week. Yeah, a lot of guys on a lot of teams, a lot of surprising names that was healthy scratches. But uh, Mason was a guy that actually had uh, on the roster. He went to uh, Georgia Tech. So I think he's an undrafted guy from Georgia Tech. Gotcha. I think if you're in a dynasty league, this is probably a guy that you'd rather grab right away. I mean, of course, Wilson's probably going to be the guy, but who knows how many carries he will get. I think these guys will get a few touches as well. You got Mac Jones with back spasms, which is actually a good thing because they thought it was going to be something uh, quite a bit more substantial than that. So back spasms seems to be the issues, and he's looking decent for week two. We'll kind of find out midweek and go from there as far as Mac Jones is concerned, but that's a situation to monitor. Now, someone else who's going to be out for a couple weeks, you got Chris Godwin, who tweaked his hamstring is what they're indicating that it was. So luckily, it wasn't a, a re-aggravation of the uh, ACL that he had from last year, but he's going to be out for a few weeks. We'll kind of see how that ends up going. Lastly, as far as injury news to monitor right now, we have Najee Harris, who is trending towards playing this coming week. He had an issue with his foot we were hoping that it wasn't going to be like a flare-up of the plantar fasciitis that we heard about in the offseason and it's looking like it isn't going to be anything serious it was just precautionary that he was out of the game on week one we'll kind of see how that goes definitely make sure that if you are a Najee Harris owner that you go out and get his backup worn as well. That pretty much wraps up the news. We're going to go ahead and get into our week one review. (music) 
All right, guys. So there were some things that happened this week that just were kind of puzzling. Um, there were some things that happened this week that were right on time. And then there are a few things that I think are going to happen, but we kind of got to give it a little bit of time to breathe. No time to panic or anything of that nature is week one, let the chips fall where they may. But there are a couple of things that I found were a little bit off from what we thought we were going to see in the offseason. Up first was Cam Akers not being the starter, not only not being the starter, but being relatively uninvolved in general. We also had a couple of other running backs that were in the same vein. Brees Hall, I thought the Jets were... I thought they were lying. Just to be just to be honest with you, I thought they were lying when they said that Michael Carter was going to be the starter and not only that he was going to be the starter, but I even saw a clip that said that he was the offensive heartbeat of the team. So what do we see here with Akers and Hall? And I'll throw in another running back for uh, you to throw out your opinion on as well. Damian Pierce, who had all of the hype leading into week one, even with Shaquille Leonard, of the coats being out there leading linebacker he was out this week and pierce was much to do about nothing what do we think about this trio of running backs are we leaning in are we running away in the in the words of aaron Rodgers, just relax for his acres man i don't know i think he's just not ready health wise i mean he's come back off a, a pretty drastic injury and we see it could take another year i mean Look at Saquon Barkley this past week, another year removed from an injury. So sometimes I think you need that additional year to recover fully. And I think he's just another year away from being who everybody thinks he's going to be. As far as Pierce, maybe because he's a rookie, they want to go with a veteran um, and just kind of slowly walk this guy in. I think Burkhead probably played like 70% of the snaps or something crazy. So, um, And it just seemed like when they did put Pierce in the game, they just ran him. Like he didn't do anything else. So. I think as the season progresses, he'll get a little more tick. The lastly, Brees Hall, kind of surprising. But again, when we talked about in the last show how they was able to play Tevin Coleman in front of in front of Carter. So it's just another dose of that medicine, letting that veteran play first and see how that goes. As the year trends in, I think we'll see a lot more Brees Hall. Yeah, looking at uh, all three of them, Akers, I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned with because he, to me, what, he's almost a year and a half removed from the injury. He had it. More than a full year from that injury. So it was a little bit shocking, but McVay words was what stood out. He wanted to see an increased urgency, uh, his play. And that was something that kind of stood out to me because Henderson, just similar to Burkhead, played uh, 70, over 70% of the snaps. So that was like a good bit of the production. Say, say no, Burke, like, like uh, Vanny said with Burkhead and uh, the Pierce situation, where I think it's going to be later on in the season that we see the change of the guard, so to speak. I'm not worried about that at all. And with Hall and Carter, Carter honestly really did look good. If anybody watched the game, looked really well, and he caught the ball as well, too. I think it's a good problem for them to have. So, to me, it reminds me of almost Ingram and Kamara almost. And God forbid, Carter is just an injury away from having a, a secondary role on that team. That is true. Carter is no stranger to injury. We have a couple of other lackluster guys that uh, kind of did a little bit of what we thought they were going to do. Baker looked like Baker for most of the game, and then he kind of went into fight or flight syndrome and almost brought Carolina back, but Baker did a whole lot of Baker things. Just like classic Baker Mayfield. You look at the numbers on the fantasy score, you may think he had a decent game, but he looked the same to me. Looked like the Carolina Browns. You know what I mean? Agreed. Um, Agreed. 
<laughs> the Cleveland Panthers. You know what I'm saying? Like basically, it, it didn't look like anything. I mean, Baker Baker just being Baker. That's all I can say about that. You had Kyler Murray, who was on the mediocre side of the things as well. Pretty much, the Cardinals in general were very much mediocre, and Kansas City was same old Kansas City with or without Tyreek. Kansas City keeps on trucking. We play our players as far as they're concerned. Are we worried about Arizona at all? I'm extremely worried about Arizona, and it goes to be honestly back to the clause they wanted to have in that contract. Their offense, and also too what we talked about before, their offense is just really lackluster. It's almost like, like I was saying before, when we had the dude from Oregon come to the Eagles, Chip Kelly. There we go. And he looked good. It looked, it looked great the first year. The second, the third year, the NFL was like, get out of here. And I feel like that's the same thing going on with Arizona's offense. But also, too, Murray is just not doing nothing. Like, I get, you know, he might not have everything uh, on the offensive line, but he's not calling protections. He's not calling the blitz. He's not calling the mic, the Sam. He's just, like, getting to the line of scrimmage, call ball and playing ball. And for somebody that got all that guaranteed money, Honestly, I would have kept the clause in there regardless of the backlash because you saw it and you've been seeing it uh, even last season by his play. Another duo that weren't quite on point. I'm sorry, but you might want to get your ass off your shoulders and play your players in the preseason. The Rams looked like they did not play in the preseason, which they didn't. Stafford looked bad. The only person he had any type of a chemistry with was Cooper Cup, who obviously he had chemistry with last year. He only targeted Allen Robinson twice. You paid this guy all that money to target him twice? In looking at the game, he wasn't even looking anyone's direction other than Cup. Like they, they were just completely out of sync. The running game was out of sync. The passing game was out of sync, other than Cup, obviously. But I don't believe that this is a panic situation. They'll kind of work their way into the season, and you'll kind of see what you thought you were going to see from the Rams going forward. It's kind of my opinion on that situation. Honestly, I think people kind of forgot about Matthew Stafford. I mean, he did lead the league in interceptions last year. I mean, he's 17 picks last year, and he's going to do that. He's going to throw interceptions that's just what's going to come with the territory really wasn't surprised about that um as far as the Allen robinson thing i think it is about chemistry trust as you can see tyler uh, higby higby had like 11 targets you know I and mean, that's a lot for him so that just shows that the comfort level with the receivers he used to him and Allen robinson haven't quite got to that point yet they did bring him in but it's going to take some time I think we definitely got to speak to also the Bills playing tremendous defense. This Absolutely. dude was under duress all game. Greg Russo and Von Miller was just all out dismantling that whole offensive line. That was some phenomenal play of, in the front seven of the Bills. And not to mention the fact that in the secondary, they were starting two rookies. They aren't as good as they're going to be. Tredavious White is still going to come back, which is going to put the that second corner there in the slot. So this team is actually going to get better just because of time and effort, but also because one of their best players is going to be coming back. I'm definitely liking my Super Bowl pick in the Bills. A little shaky on their opponent, but I think that the Rams can kind of work their way back. They definitely have some teams they can beat up on throughout, throughout the year, so we'll kind of see how that goes. Now, this one was a little tricky. So for fantasy, Tua Tungo Valoa was pretty, pretty mediocre, but for a true-to-life NFL game, I think he was exactly what Miami needed. That's 
going to be interesting to see how that pans out as far as fantasy is concerned. I think he ended up around 14, 15 points, somewhere around there. Nothing that would have tanked you. You shouldn't have been dependent on him anyway, but nothing, de- definitely nothing that, that kind of, you know, piqued your interest and made you say, oh, I might have something here. Tua and Miami do get a win over New England, but as far as fantasy is concerned, I still don't believe this was the best move as far as Hill is concerned. I still believe Tua is just, eh, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Actually, um, Miami looked they look good. Not, not quite mad at them. I mean, it's week one. Uh, they did play a good Patriots defense. Tua is not going to be Tom Brady. You know, it's not going to be one of those quarterbacks that just rolling back is going to look nice and he's going to go through all this progression. And do all, it's not going to look like that, but he did turn the ball over. He's pretty efficient. Tariq Hill did have 94 yards receiving on eight catches, and I think I'm fine with it. Their run game was, wasn't really working. So I think once the run game gets a little better against opponents, then you will see Tariq and Waddle unlock a lot more. So Do I'm, you I'm, think the run game will get better? Yeah, because – it's, okay. it's that Shanahan offense. It's gonna get. It's gonna be fine eventually. I mean, I think they just ran. They had a good defense. I mean, the Patriots won the better run. The better defenses. Offensively, they're horrible, but they're you know they're pretty good defense. I actually like what I saw coming out of the Patriots uh, offense. Um, it's not relative to fantasy, but they was moving that ball deep, man. They they got a lot of people involved. Bourne, Myers, especially Myers, which you know that's. Zay guy Myers was really involved in the offense as well too. Devontae showed up a little as well. Like for a team that don't have an offensive coordinator, they definitely came creatively uh, in mind what they wanted to do. But obviously with Xavier How- uh, Howard on the other side of the ball, and even that Holland kid coming up with a good pick, they just went against a top second, you know, secondary this game. So a little underwhelming, but they were all right. Carson Wentz was exactly what got him hired and fired everywhere he's been. He looked good at one point, and then come fourth quarter time, he throws two horrible interceptions. This is why the coach didn't want him, and now the commanders are kind of seeing that they have a guy that can get them in the game and can get them out of the game. For fantasy, that kind of works because every time he throws the interception, that means that he pretty much has to throw the ball the rest of the game. So you take that one-point loss, and then they're pretty much in – pass mode for the rest of the game because they're behind but Carson Wentz was exactly who I thought he was what you got on Carson it's funny Carson Wentz fantasy wise had a great a great week he did have the two blunders uh late uh, with the interceptions but he threw the ball not too bad considering you know everything with the new running back or the old running back who's the now new new running back Gibson he played pretty well McLaurin didn't cut the ball didn't have very many catches but he did catch a touchdown um, we did see some of the, the talk that was going on in camp as far as the rapport he had with Dotson. That was true because he caught two touchdowns as well. It's just going to be a, a little small roller coaster with you take the good with the bad. He didn't play. He didn't play too bad. For, he played good enough for them to win the game, which they did. So I'm OK with it. What I, my take from this game is obviously they got Dotson involved, the rookie this year, pretty well. I like how they got him involved with the offense. But let's go to Gibson, the best punt returner. To a guy who played another guy yet again, close to he was closer to seventy snaps at about sixty eight percent. Played a great deal in this game, and honestly, considered an 
injury to Brian Robinson, I think he might got himself a second life and an opportunity to be the lead back uh, for the foreseeable future, even with Robinson coming back. So yeah, I, I was definitely going to ask that. Do you think that Gibson, you know, is working his way out of the doghouse, and does that kind of put Robinson as the odd man out when he does return? That they're thinking around week five or six because I think we're playing this, you know, fantasy and it's relative to fantasy. He's going to work himself back even when uh, clear healthy. So even right. though he'll come back, you know, five or six, we got to tack on another two games to really kind of see him in actual playing shape and see what his role is going to be. But he had – it was his to begin with, but let's be honest, we don't know what that kind of injury would do when you need to have explosive uh, playmaking ability, change of direction, and it's in his legs. So I think this is Gibson's second chance, but that doesn't say much as well because Gibson can't really afford to stay healthy. He played through the shin, but you know we don't know what he might have as the next element. And lastly, in our mediocre section, we have a couple of Dallas Cowboys, or we can kind of lump all of Dallas into this. But one thing that stood out to me was Zeke only had two more snaps than Pollard. So they're really, truly deploying them as equal backs. Lamb, man, I, I don't I don't know what Lamb is going to do this season. He, he didn't put up very many points before Dak got hurt. But now that Dak isn't going to be there, and I mean, like we said, we may be looking at a, I think, best case scenario for those guys. We may be looking at a, a Jimmy G, worst case scenario for those guys. We may be looking at Cam Newton, and the reason I say worst case is that'll definitely help out the running backs, but I don't think that's going to help out the wide receivers very much. They, they, they need some help at receiver in general. They need they have some guys on the men that should be back soon with James Washington and Michael Gallup. They really need those guys like yesterday. Uh, they were who I thought they were um, as far as <laughs> we talked about uh, CeeDee Lamb and being that he's the man and he showed that he can't be the man. I can't remember which one of you guys was saying different. I think it was Joe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We was on the same page. Buddy. All right, so it was Zay. Okay, so yeah, it was, was Zay that was, was in that one together. Was 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 smoking, was just drinking that C D juice. And I'm like, nah. Oh, I, I say I say he's gonna be a back end wide receiver one, top end wide receiver two by the end of the year. But without nah, that, nah, nah, no, 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 no. I don't I don't recall Joe, you recall him saying all of that? It wasn't like nah, that. He, he had big, big Yeah, years. it wasn't no back end two, <laughs> no, none sir. of that. Nah, no, sir. Go go nah. listen. Go go listen to the ranking show. It, that wasn't that wasn't it. But again, two catches, twenty nine yards. I think he had like eleven targets. He had a good bit of targets. But again, him being Doug, he's just not a number one receiver in this league. He's just a better number two, and I think that's shown. Right? He's basically a juju. Right. He plays better with a Batman. He's just a Robin. Yeah. And that's and Robin okay. Robin has his place. That's okay. Right. Exactly. You know that's what okay. I mean? Reggie Wayne is one of the best Robins of all time, but that doesn't make him not a good receiver. I mean, sometimes you just have to play with somebody that's a little bit better. That's going to draw that coverage, you know, things of that nature. But that's who he is. And it's only going to get worse from here. So even that back end wide receiver one shit he was talking about getting worse going down as far as now that Prescott's out. Gonna probably oh, miss. Absolutely. A month and a half at least minimum i don't know if, if he comes back in a month and a half if he's gonna be right i mean that your thumb is pretty damn important to throw on the ball that's i, I think that's going to be something that kind of hampers him all year even if he does quote unquote come back 
Yeah, I think the one thing that's kind of stood out for me was Dalton Schultz. Seven receptions, 62 yards. I mean, he had, he's targeted a fair amount in this game. It's good to see, one, he he's fully healed from injury, but, you know, no quarter. You know, going from Dak to a backup quarterback, you know how everybody feel about tight ends. So I think he'll still have that extended value going to throughout the rest of the season, but I don't, I don't understand bro. these like, I felt, honestly, if they did it the wrong way, they should have kept Coop, and they should have let Ga- uh, Gallup touch. Like, it's it doesn't make sense, because I don't, like we all just said, uh, CD is a great player, and it's great to be a number two, but under, under the wrong spotlight, and when it doesn't count, he shows up. But we want to see him do that uh, week in, week out. And he might have a fair game or a decent game, but it's not worth it. And his fantasy relevancy being tied to Dak, who's going to miss, like you said, six to eight weeks, that just tanks his value because we're just hoping that he just plays so-so, give you something as opposed to his upside being tied to one of the better quarterbacks in the league. We had a couple of guys who surprised a little bit. A few guys to keep your eye on here. We had Jahan Dotson, who Vander talked about a little bit ago, who had two touchdown passes and the chemistry is obviously being shown that was talked about in the offseason. That's definitely a guy that may be available to you as we start talking about waiver wire targets um as far as waivers are concerned and as far as possible trade candidates are concerned guys give me kind of your outlook we have Jahan Dotson was the guy that surprised Miles Sanders who surprised a little bit there looks like the, the Eagles actually used him the way you would use a number one running back that kind of surprised me a little bit. Gainwell did get his touches, but for the most part, Sanders looked the part of a number one running back. Um, and then you had Cordero Patterson, who we undervalued again. We had him relatively where he should be, quote unquote, but this guy is looking to be one of the biggest weapons that Atlanta has again. So they're actually using as a running back. Yeah. Like the difference between this regime and last year, last year, it seemed more like a gadget. It seemed more right. like a slash type of guy, but this new uh, coaching staff that's in it, like they're really saying, nah, you the starter. Like, right. <laughs> like For real, we really right. gonna give you 20 carries. Like, you really just start running back, and that's how but they're treating them. My only thing with that is that I don't think Cordell's not gonna look good, but as the season goes on, I think he's just gonna wear it down all over again. Yeah. Like, I think that's my only thing. Like, he looked really good, but also, too, like, I'm watching the game. I'm like, where's the defensive line? Where's the front seven? Where's the Mario Davis? Like, they played great third quarter. <laughs> but those three quarters, it, it was it was ridiculous. This man had the best lanes ever. I think you could still play there. Any one of us could have played and got 40, 50 yards as well as as well as these lines was being established to push back by the Falcons. You had Damian Williams who got hurt. I think he had a rib injury as well. So Tyler Allager, who was a healthy scratch, we were talking about some of the younger guys who were healthy scratches. He was one of them as well. So was Trey Sermon of the Eagles. Allager may be back in the thick of it with Damian Williams now being hurt. And with, like you said, them possibly not wanting to wear down Patterson, but Patterson looked good. Patterson, as far as I'm concerned, is a guy that you may want to target before he settles in and and he continues to do what he's doing and people actually believe it. Some people may still not quite believe it yet, but you know, you, you fooled me once. I think it's already too late. I think it's already too late. You think it's too late? Yeah, I think there are a few people out there that the name still doesn't quite shine as much as it could. 
Yeah, but they're going to see that um, those numbers. And then I think you had a better chance of trading for him before week one. Trying oh, to go get absolutely. him now, yeah. you know what I'm saying, is uh, going to be hard. But I'll tell you one thing. One uh, thing, I, I, I like to pay attention to the small details, and sometimes people overlook guys. I know we speak on Dawson from the Commanders, but pay attention to Curtis Samuel on this team. Yeah, yep. he had a good game. He had 11 targets, and he had four carries. And that's kind of a key to me because if he's already getting four carries out of the backfield, it says a lot about how much they want to get him involved in this offense. He caught eight of those 11 targets, did have a touchdown. I think he's a guy that you want to put on your radar. It's kind of under the radar, but I would hop on this guy before the trick is out. Because, I mean, if you're getting wide receivers that's getting running back carries out of the backfield, hey, more touches, more chances of, of scoring points. And also from that same game, the biggest surprise was James Robinson. And that's who I was going to bring up next. So, James yeah. Robinson, he's oh, definitely e- the e- number one. ETN, my ass. Um, <laughs> again, James Robinson, man, come back from that injury. He was one of the biggest surprises of the day. Like, wow. Like he he ran with some explosion. Like it was, I was extremely impressed. He looked smaller. Uh, it's just, is it me? He probably couldn't keep up his regimen due to the injury. Like he looks a little more, but he looks faster. Like he looks like he's yeah he, he yeah. I, yeah. I, maybe he had to lose a little weight to maintain the semblance of explosion that he had. Maybe he'll be able to put the weight back on as the season goes through. But in in order to be anywhere close to the level of explosion that he had prior to the injury, maybe it would take losing a little bit of weight. But But he he definitely showed and proved. He more than doubled the amount of touches that ETN had on the backfield. So that lets you know the trust that they have in that guy. Yeah, I like like their touches that they had. Uh, They were close to a 50-50 that game. Somebody I really liked, and this is honestly going to be still monitoring a Rondell Moore situation, was Greg Dortch. He had nine targets, seven receptions, and 63 yards. A guy that was like popping off a lot during the preseason. As long as Rondell is out, he's going to have a tremendous value. And then, too, with penalty Higgins, which I think likely he'll be back. Someone else that I liked was Mike Thomas, who had five targets in that overtime uh, game as well. And not to go throw in too many names, but deep... Uh, my guy, DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 11 targets week one, six receptions for 60 yards. Obviously, the clear number two receiver, and that's somebody you can pick up on free agency. He's going to always have a good value and just even more value once uh, Watson gets back. But I love that he had 11 targets week one. Real quick, man, I also want to thought that this is a guy, he's a he's supposed to be a handcuff, but Dontrell hear you. Um, it seems like Tennessee yeah, he got is getting, a lot of targets. Yeah, he's getting involved in the passing game. So if you don't have him as a handcuff for Henry, you might want to grab this guy. Henry did briefly go to the tent. Not sure what it was about. Briefly came back into the game and finished. But knowing the workhorse that he is, things can happen. And with Dontra already being a part of the passing game and being a handcuff to him, this can very well be a gem later down the road in the season. Going back to the guy I just mentioned last week, Gerald Everett. Three receptions, 54 yards, one touchdown. He's going to be a great waiver wire pickup. He has a Thursday night matchup with the Chiefs. Again, route participation. These guys, like, and also, too, like I mentioned in that episode, Herbert likes to target the tight end the most. And that offense, I think it's over 20, almost 24%. We saw every bit of that on display. And like I said, how they get him the ball and involved, he's a free tight end right now. And Keenan Allen is hurt right now. So it's unlikely with it being a short week that he's going to be able to get back. So that may be several more targets 
for Gerald Everett this week. So I definitely agree there as a waiver wire hopeful. There was another guy who he does what he does. Uh, Brandon Cooks ended up with 12 targets. Now, the targets are more impressive than the stat line. He didn't come down with a touchdown. He had about, you know, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight points in the standard league, somewhere in the neighborhood of about, you know, just over double digits as far as a PPR is concerned. But this guy is just as consistent as they come. He's going to get the volume. He has the talent. But the name is lackluster. Maybe if you have wide receiver trouble, this may be a guy that would cost you the least to go get that'll give you consistent wide receiver two with wide receiver one weeks. But Brandon Cooks is another guy that stood out. Now, this game is not over yet, but I figure we go ahead and throw it out there. Geno Smith is having a hell of a game. So maybe all is not lost in Seattle. And as long as Penny stays healthy, he's looking pretty spry. On the other side of the ball, I'm not sure if it's going to be Beck or Albert O, but Russell Wilson is loving to use his tight ends, but things aren't quite as hunky-dory as people thought they were going to be for the first game of for Russell Wilson back in Seattle. We'll kind of see how things end up playing out in that one. Like I said, we're, we're recording while that game is actually playing, so we'll kind of see how that ends up. Geno Smith. Is, is this going to be a guy that maybe in your two quarterback leagues you can kind of possibly depend on as a backup, or is this fool's goal? I mean, if you're in a two-quarterback league, of course, he can be a guy that maybe be more of a fill-in for a week or bye week or some of that nature. If you're in a one-quarterback league, definitely not. He's nowhere near on the radar. But if you're in a two-quarterback league, he definitely would be a bye week fill-in. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm actually un, I'm not impressed with the defense being played by the Broncos. Like, if paper was ever – indicative of what type of star power somebody is supposed to have on defense. I'm not understanding how they're able to matriculate the ball like this against the Denver secondary. But then again, I digress. That's why it's a difference between paper and actual game being played. I just want to see him play more at this level more consistently. We also got a half a football. We don't know what's to happen. They quickly scored with Jerry Judy on the 67-yard pass. So I, you know, who knows what happens the second half of the game. Facts, facts. So just a couple of more guys that we kind of want to point out that you may want to take a look at on the waiver one guy that had four targets four receptions 54 yards and two touchdowns is still widely available and his name is Devin Duvernay you may want to check to see whether or not he's available if you have any wide receiver issues or injuries uh, I, when, when I was hearing those stats you was uh, spitting on my eye I already knew it was Duvernay I've kind of the point where I want to see more before you pick him up out the waiver or before you start him? Oh, definitely before you start him, but definitely go ahead and get ahead of it. If you want to pick him up off the waiver, I say go ahead and, of course, be ahead of the game. But being that the offense that he's in, you know, they don't tend to throw the ball as much. Being that his quarterback is Lamar Jackson. I was going to just point out, Kenyon Drake played almost 60% of the snaps at running back. Mm-hmm. And I think with Dobbins being someone that's going to still be probably on the men for a few more weeks, he's somebody that's going to be serviceable off the waiver wire. If, I mean, for a flex spot, maybe some of that nature. I just right. I just need to see a little bit more before I believe before I start really drinking that that, that juice that he's serving. Um, now, do you feel the same way about Jeff Wilson with the Mitchell news? Because it looks like Jeff Wilson is going to be the starter in San Fran. No, it's different with Jeff Wilson because. Any running back in a Shanahan offense is, you know what comes with it. I don't care if his name is Josh Phillips. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter 
if he went to Benedict College. If he's the starting running back for the 49ers, he's going to be somebody you want to put in there. Um, so with Jeff Wilson being the starter, I definitely like him uh, moving forward as far as in your running back too. You know, a running back too. Definitely a flex if you have a flex spot. He'd definitely be gold there, but I'm fine with running him as a running back too, especially considering the opponent. They play Seattle next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I definitely like him against those guys. Yeah, I like them both. And I would prioritize Jeff Wilson first. But if you can't get him as far as prioritization, I would have King and Drake a second. Because Greg Roman offense is similar to, you know, the same praise that we can give Kyle Shanahan's. And I think for him to have such a snap share, you know, having playing over almost 58% similar to Jeff Wilson, you're getting higher upside with Wilson, but at least you get, like you said, a flex for at least one or two more weeks. And lastly, to wrap up the show, we have a guy that I'm not exactly sure if you should run to the waiver and grab. The Saints lied. It's what, I mean, it's what it boils down to. He's not just the tight end. That They're using him in a couple of different ways. So do you guys think that Taysom may be that guy that you run to the waiver and grab, especially for the you know late round tight end guys? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. The, for a tight end spot, if you're one of those guys, you went zero tight end, and maybe right, you exactly. maybe you dropped the bomb because you you went and got Hooper. He didn't do anything for you. Why not? I think uh, again, OJ Howard. Speak on him. I mean, he caught yeah. two touchdowns yeah, yeah, as well yeah. yesterday. Absolutely. So there's a couple guys so, that still floating around on your free agent list. If you went zero tight end, that you can plug and play. And I think Taysom Hill would definitely fit that mold. If he's a quarterback and you're leaving, definitely not. But if he has that two-position designation, he has a tight end, for sure, I definitely would start him. Let me ask you this. As far as O.J. Howard is concerned, is that run and go get him or buyer beware? He had two targets, two receptions, two touchdowns, 38 yards. The odds of, of anything close to two receptions for two touchdowns happening again are pretty slim. But do we think that this means that he's going to be a weekly part of that offense or was this just happenstance? I mean, I think he can be, I think he re, they don't really have a red zone for a uh, red zone target. So why not? I mean, look at the rest True. of the receivers. You got Cooks, who's a smaller receiver. You got Moore. Um, you don't have a guy at the back. There. You got Nico Collins. You know what I mean? So he is the, the red zone guy. So that's why you've seen the two catches, two touchdowns. I mean, that sounds like we're close to the end zone throwing the ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So I definitely think he could be a red zone force for this team moving forward. So I will, I will go out and get him as well. I think he's a guy, again, if you went zero tight end and you just struck out maybe with an Austin Hooper, I think he's definitely a guy also I would be kind of comfortable with um, starting in front of him as well. I loved Hayden Hurst. Seven targets, five receptions, 46 yards. Like, it's a big distinction on how they use the prior tight end to what Hayden's doing. Hayden just honestly adds a great dimension. And it's still in question with going back to T. Higgins. I think he still has tremendous upside uh, going forward as well, too. So Hayden is somebody who's definitely in play for me. He's not a high-end tight end one, but uh, depending on how news reflect later on this week, at least we know what his role is going to be. And he ran a 52 route out of 75 snaps. So he's out there running routes at a, a high clip for a tight end. And that about wraps up the weekly review and waiver show. You're here for us in just a couple of days, getting you ready for week two. Make sure you click subscribe or follow. So as soon as the show comes out, you will have access to it. You definitely want to make sure you get to it and get to it early so that you can set up your waivers, so that you can set up your weekend as far as your start sits are concerned. And we'll kind of go from there. So, hey, it's about to be a hell of a ride. I hope you guys enjoyed week one like I did. Let's get it going. We out.